Good evening, godless sodomites. Hello, everyone. My name is Chaz, and you are listening to the Excommunication Station. Today, I have another episode in our Voices series. Again, if you would like to be on the show um, and give your story and give out your voice, please contact us on any of our social medias and uh, let us know that you want to talk and we'd be happy to have you on. So today I have Annie. Annie contacted us through our Facebook page um, and I was uh, very intrigued with her story. So we all decided that we wanted to have her on. So that's what we got coming in today's episode. But before we get into that, we need to bow our heads and pray to the Lord God above. So take the hand of the person next to you and if you're driving, let the Lord Jesus Christ take the wheel. All of us to put on masks and be afraid of spit. But yet, Jesus spit in the eye and he, and he saw. Jesus spit in the ear and he was healed. And the Lord spoke to me very, very clearly just a moment ago. My spittle will unmask the mask. And my spittle will heal the blind eye. It will heal the deaf ear. It will heal the cancer behind the breast. It will heal the cancer in the uterus. country do you live just because i like to have like some geographical mm-hmm. it just kind of helps with like different denominations and everything yeah so i'm just uh in the northwest um okay. or the midwest um in ohio okay okay yeah oh uh i i always heard ohio doesn't exist but i've driven through there a bunch of times and it's, <laughs> we it's terrible it's not fun <laughs> <laughs> i i lived in chicago for four years but i i'm from uh out by Philadelphia. So I had to drive through every single time. You're always driving through. Yeah. Yeah. On the turnpike, probably. Yeah. 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 I got pulled over once, but did not get a ticket, which I was told was pretty rare. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. But anyway, um, so, uh, we are currently discussing, uh, purity culture on the the episodes coming up. And, uh, I was reading over the story you sent in and, uh, it really helped hit me. And I know it hit, uh, the other two uh, co-host because they they messaged me both and were like mm. you got to talk to her and I'm just like mm. I already got it handled you know and they're just like <laughs> okay so um yeah. yeah so yeah you uh you grew up in the in the church right yep yep uh, what age what what age do you remember start going or you just remember you were just going all the time yeah forever no memory yeah. of not going 
Okay. Um, I know my parents started going to the assembly of God denomination right about the time I was born. And that's when my dad had like a salvation experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so did your parents have an upbringing in the church before you or they did? Yep. They were, they were raised Methodist and Lutheran. Okay. So kind of like an old school kind of, okay. Yeah. That's the way my mom was raised, uh, to start off with. Uh, so assemblies of God, um, Mm -hmm. Our one of one of our hosts, Chrissy, went to an I think she went to an Assemblies of God college. Okay. So what was the Assemblies of God like growing up? Um, so fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I I always thought my friends' churches were lame, you know, uh yeah. boring, not interesting. Mm-hmm. With my parents having the background of, oh, we were raised Lutheran and Methodist, and then we got saved, and now you know, we're Pentecostals or charismatics. Yeah. Um, it was always framed as we now are, are really true, the true Christians and we know how to do church, right. And it's so much fun. And it, it really was fun. It was a blast. Now, did you <clears throat> speak in tongues and everything I, like that? Okay. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's, that's fun. so many stories. Yeah. Yep. 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 We, we just, we <laughs> finished our our tongue series, but I, I'm sure we're going to come back to it just because it's, yeah, it's it so, was like, crazy. It was yeah. very fascinating. Now, when very did you start doing that? Do you, do you think? Yep. So I think that was probably seventh grade, uh, church camp. So okay. the whole thing, like, you know, they hype you up all week long mm-hmm. and you have the altar calls every night mm-hmm. and you know, everybody's slain on the floor around you. And then you see them like a youth counselor, like laser beams coming yeah. towards you. Yeah. Yep. And like the, it's, you either do it or, you know, like it, you just, you have to do it. And yeah. so like you do it. And that, that was my experience. Um, I just started speaking in tongues that night. Like there was no other choice. You just let it, it rip. <laughs> and now, now did, I know that we're not talking about the purity stuff right now, but yeah. now did you, later on as as you've left the church how how have you reflected on on those experiences yeah that's a really good question because um that it's hard right like you have these experiences that are so real um and then you have to really wrestle with it and figure out well what was going on so kind of where i've landed is I think tongues specifically, but a lot of what happens in the charismatic culture, Pentecostal culture, um, is learned. It's mm-hmm. you learn it and you can mimic it very easily. Yeah. And when you're doing behaviors as a group that are different from society at large, it gives you a natural high. And yeah. so it oh, really yeah. does feel like the Holy spirit because you are experiencing that euphoria Mm-hmm. So w- how I look back on it is it's what I was raised hearing week in and week out. It's easy to mimic. And I wanted to feel the high and the goosebumps. And, and it was a sure way to get that, that use that God drug. That's, I know I've thought of it that way before, but it like, it's kind of hitting more now with like, yeah. I, I've been talking more about, you know, getting that, getting that hit of whatever you need during the day. And, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting perspective. I, I like that. Uh, I like thinking of, 
about that. That's uh, yeah, it's for sure. It'll be on my mind for a while. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting because Chrissy and I both were kind of dropped in that uh, world of speaking in tongues at, at like a certain age. Like okay. it's not something we grew up with. So okay. we maybe it gave us a little bit of a different perspective. I know for me because mm-hmm. I was dropped in there when I was an early teenager and all my friends has been doing it for a while and like they're coming over to me and laying hands on me. I don't know what's going on, Mm-mm. you know? So it's a, uh, you know, it's <laughs> it, but then you still, you try to fake it till you make it at that point because you're mm-hmm. like, I don't, everybody else around me is doing it's it. It's like peer I'm, pressure. Oh yeah. 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 It really <laughs> is. And like, you don't yeah. think of it that way and society doesn't think of it that way, but it really is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes. So, Absolutely. so uh, you're a teenager. Yep, seventh grade is when that happened. Okay, yep, yep. Uh, When did purity culture start pushing its ugly head into your life? At at like what age? Now, we're discussing it uh, based on, um, we did some back history of like when, you know, the the push of like the Christian right into society kind of Mm -hmm. happened and Mm -hmm. and moved up to uh, True Love Waits which yep. started in the early nineties with the Southern yep. Baptist church. Um, so I remember that coming on mm-hmm. before, like even more than the Joshua Harris uh, stuff. Yeah. So when do you, when do you remember that coming into your church so, or even family? Yeah. I mean, like from, from forever, yeah. I was not allowed to dance or like shimmy my hips. So there were comments all the time at home, um, like not to dance and don't wiggle your butt. Don't shake your butt. Guys are watching butts. So I was just going to ask you, was it a, was it a, um, a pressure on you to not have the boys stumble? Correct. Instead of the boys having any type of self-control. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was I all know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It was all on the girls to yep. not cause the brothers to stumble. And I even had a friend confront me about that somewhere along the line in high school. And I remember thinking, uh, this is not cool. I am mm-hmm. not comfortable with you confronting me on this. And I don't think we should be friends. <laughs> and, and it really, it really did shift our friendship. Yeah. It yeah. was real icky feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like as a, as a very young child, no dancing, yeah, uh, yeah. don't swivel your hips, walk, walk straighter. Um, like don't make your butt jiggle while you walk. So I guess not to be too TMI, but like my sisters and I, we have, we are, we have, have junk in the trunk. And so <laughs> it's just like a thing that like you try to walk straighter without causing oh, that yeah. motion. Um, and then that kind of worked into, um, what we wore and don't wear too tight of jeans or too short of shorts. And I remember being told in junior high, your shorts are too short for youth group. Um, so from the very beginning, no dancing, like no yeah. dancing. Yeah. I was in that type of culture. Too. I mean, unless yeah. you're dancing at the altar, which yeah. was acceptable at, in the assemblies of God, there was definitely mm-hmm. dancing. Yeah. Uh, but not at school, not around the house. Not, no dance parties, things like that. I went to one dance when I was 15. No, it wasn't 15. Oh yeah, it was 15. And it was when I was at this 
uh, Pentecostal church slash school. Uh-huh. And uh, I went to a dance with my stepfather's best friend's daughter because she asked okay. me to go. Okay. And I got in so much trouble. So much trouble. Mm-hmm. Like it was like the worst thing that I could ever done, you know? Yeah. And right. it was, yeah. So, but yeah, I'm like realizing now like how hard that time w- was on a on the girls around me you know i mean the guys we were going through our own things which is stuff we'll discuss but i'm coming to the terms of like if you're a girl like you said you have more junk in the trunk but like if you have girls that are more well endowed or whatever that guilt is on them because it's their own body and like you're you're shaming yourself because of something you have no control over no control over yeah and Mm -hmm. it's you're putting your own body as a um I don't even know. Like it's a sin in it's front just of. It's a sin to exist. It's a sin to exist in front of these men or these yeah. boys. Yeah. And yeah, um, I feel like as yeah. a culture, we've slowly turned that corner. Mm-hmm. Slowly, we're not there yet, and we're mm-hmm. still far away away. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's. Yeah, I'm sure in the church, I haven't been in years and years, but from what I hear and what I've researched, it's still. A pretty prevalent oh, yeah. belief of that. Yeah, I think men, so. Self control is not a thing men have to possess. Right, and yeah. I remember a very clear memory of when I started coming out of faith and religion. I was listening to another podcast, and the host um, he really helped me process a lot of this. But he, mm-hmm. it was the first time I heard a man say, "Men can control themselves." Mm-hmm. They are capable of controlling their thoughts and controlling their behaviors. I had never heard that before. And I just heard it as of what I was maybe 35, 33, 34. Okay. Yeah. Mid-30s before I heard that and like was able to accept it, like, oh, okay. So men can do this in the real world. (laughs) I don't remember the only self-control issue that that I remember ever being talked about um like anger was never a thing that you had to control because you could just beat the shit out of your friends Mm -hmm. like there was no like it's always boys will be boys and like Mm -hmm. you know you can lose your you know your anger or Mm -hmm. you know your emotions or you know or what you say and it's all permitted and then Mm -hmm. when the only thing it's not is like when it comes to things like masturbation and looking at other females yeah but it's a different type of shame than than you i not that you i mean i don't know how i'm trying to say this we didn't feel the guilt of looking at females we didn't feel that Mm -hmm. guilt of doing it because it was it was okay like it was it was okay but you have to control yourself after that and if you didn't control yourself after that then we have I, and it makes me feel really uncomfortable talking about, but we had uh, um, accountability partners, right? When mm-hmm. it came to like masturbation yeah. and like looking That's at very porn common. and stuff like that, and like yeah. a kid yeah. should not be talking to an adult unless it's their parent or a doctor or counselor Absolutely. or therapist right. about anything sexual. Like that's not cool, especially but, like, when it's framed as a bad that. thing. Yeah, yeah. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. it's I, this whole series is going to give me a whole different perspective on on this world. So um, I'm I'm finding yeah. it little by little. So uh, yeah. So how do we dive into this? Uh, mm-hmm. So you're getting older. Mm-hmm. Boys start coming around. How how. How does home handle that first? Mm -hmm. So my dad's a hunter and he always like joked about having the cleaning the guns out on the front porch to meet the boyfriends. And so literally that's what happened. He took the gun that he has mounted on the wall Mm -hmm. off the wall and was cleaning it. Um, I think when my husband came for the first time to like Uh ask me out on a date or whatever, and he was doing that and it was kind of a joke, but also like serious. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so weird and creepy like now looking back on it like why are we joking about shooting boys because they're interested in dating your girls that's yeah. so morbid yeah um and there's why, like a <laughs> why is a man so many layers a, there. A, 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 their daughter's quote-unquote purity with with by by a barrel of a gun like <laughs> i don't i don't you yeah. know and comical but in a way like you see it online where these people are like if any girl every any guy comes over here you know they're gonna have to deal with my guns or my knives or whatever and it's just like whoa what are we doing (laughs) right i think it's like this weird inability to have serious conversations that actually have meaning and depth and we're Mm -hmm. just gonna like joke around about our guns because that's the emotional depth that so many people have in america (laughs) so do you have any daughters I do. I have one daughter. She's in the middle of my two sons. And how, how is your, how have you and your husband talked about how handling that? I know we're jumping ahead, but yeah, just since we're on that topic. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because she, um, she wears like the midriff shirts right now. She loves yeah. them, the crop tops and I let her wear them. I mean, she can't wear them to school. <laughs> That's code. Sorry. <clears throat> my dogs. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so she wears her, her little belly shirts and her really short shorts because whatever she likes, mm-hmm. it's just the style she likes. And, um, I try not to say anything like we're letting her wear what she wants to wear and we're not sexualizing her body. It's yeah. clothes, it's fashion and it's not sexual because she's 11. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah, I, I have two boys, so it's, it's a little different, you know, but yeah. It's so with our son, who's 14. Um, oh, wow. Okay. You know, yeah. We're, we're kind of hitting that with him. Um, school just started. And <laughs> yeah. So he came home from school the first day of eighth grade with a girlfriend and, uh, okay. we didn't, we'd never heard of this girl before. So it was a very new thing. And so we, um, he'd kind of been talking to a, a different girl over the summer and kind of started getting his feet wet with mm-hmm. going out on a date and spending time with girls, you know, with this girl and, so we've kind of had a run up to it. And then, you know, first day of school, he comes home, girlfriend. So we've been having lots of very open and honest conversations and yeah. um, trying to validate that, like, yeah, you're a sexual being and mm-hmm. this is how we're going to be safe. And this is how we're going to be respectful. And this is how we're going to go about consent. And this is how we're going to handle having Snapchat because there are some real dangers out there. Yep. Um, yep. Just trying to talk very openly and making it, um, as nonchalant and as, uh, uh, get as much emotional connection out of it as we can, because 
that's what is important too, is to keep them emotionally connected to us, comfortable talking to us. Um, and then hopefully we can keep everybody involved safe and get food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, isn't it so, isn't it so weird how we like in a collective, we of, like how we handle these discussions today, how they weren't handled 20, 10, 20 years yeah. ago, you know? Yeah. And like, I, yeah. that's like something I pride my wife and I pride ourselves on. It's just the honesty we talked we talk yeah. to our kids about so yeah you know it's funny because um for all the weirdness that I was raised under and and uh, I have still a lot of anger and resentment up mm-hmm. in certain aspects of it but I think my mom did a really good job of um preparing me as far as uh, like about my body and what to expect with dating even though like okay you're not gonna have sex you're not gonna fool around that was always like a hard line. I crossed that line at a very young age and not safely. So she didn't do a real good job preparing mm-hmm. me. Um, I, there was still a lot of fear and shame. And so I wasn't able to talk to her when I, when I should have been. Yeah. Yeah. But it, t- talking or hearing other people's stories, I feel like my, you know, there's kind of, maybe like I fall in the middle of the road where it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot yeah. better. My oh, husband, yeah. on the other hand, had zero, zero talks from his dad about any of it, really. Yeah, yeah. And was definitely shamed about masturbation from the church. Um, I was shamed about masturbation mm-hmm. as a very young child. Um, so we're like not shaming our kids at yeah. all about that. So yeah. <laughs> just trying to make it normal, healthy, do it in your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, um, my wife grew up in like a total secular household. Like they did never went to church and stuff like that. So she's like very like grounded and fact-based and like, you know, if there's a question, she's like, okay, well, if you want to know, here you go. And then if they want to hear, if they want to stick around for the end, they can. So, (laughs) but usually there's like, all right, that's enough. So, but yeah. (laughs) Um, so well, that's kind of cool that your mom was, even though that, like, there was the suppression aspect of it, but she was yeah. still open and honest with you because, yeah, with, same thing with your husband. Like, I was, I was never taught anything about sex, and mm-hmm. uh, I found out basically by uh, trash trash can porn in the oh. cemetery of my house. So, oh boy. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the best. So yeah, right. um, so many stories, right? It's, everybody's story is so different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all like, yeah, it was it was weird. Like we had the cemetery like a block from our house, and like somehow it always ended up there. Or in the oh back of the cemetery, there was like a wood area that that all the bad teens hung out in. But then there would always be some there too, you know, along with like pentagrams and everything, <laughs> like spray paint on the trees. So yeah, but. <laughs> so let's see uh you're so your mom's giving you the talks that you should be Mm -hmm. getting um for the most part how is and where did you go to school did what kind of school did you go to I went to public okay um, okay K through 12 it was a small uh very rural you know out in the middle cornfields oh okay all right yeah yeah. lily white we had no diversity um I did have a boyfriend when I was 14, which is why I'm telling my son 
<laughs> be careful now because yeah. like this is what I was doing when I was 14 so even though I was raised in purity culture I definitely pushed those bounds mm-hmm. and I was I would say I was an exceptional good Christian girl spoken tongues slain in the spirit led mm-hmm. leader in my youth group uh gave sermons um was all about it but I messed around like I liked the boys yeah. I liked the fun um I shouldn't say boys it was one boy before <laughs> I met my husband <laughs> Uh, so I had, so, but I also, you know, the assemblies of God is very grace-based. Um, God, he's going to forgive you. So you just go to the altar and you're forgiven. And so you mess around all weekend and then Sunday morning, it's all better. So something that I loved and something that I loathed about, uh, uh, about church and, and religion and growing up in that. So just yeah. because I, I always saw it from like my stepfather would would like he was just an an asshole and and so he would do his normal stuff and then he would think he was okay that he did it just because he would go talk to God at church on Sunday it was yeah just like, and like there was no there's no consequence there was no consequence and there was no uh, sincere <laughs> apology. Like mm-hmm. there was never like, you know, I'm never going to do this again or, mm-hmm. or I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm done acting like this. It was like, yeah. oh, God forgave me. So I'm good, good to go. So, but it yeah. helped out a lot when I was a teenager and I was trying to, you know, messing around and stuff, you know? Yeah. So right. it was like, it was just like, oh my God. Okay. I, I feel some relief that I can pray this away or something, you know? Yeah. There was um, some, there was a level of relief. It was never quite all the way gone. And, oh, no, and there we, was always guilt. <laughs> there was always guilt. It was always this underlying thing. And I had um, nervous stomach, maybe anxiety now that I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it as an adult, I, uh, you know, just horrible intestinal issues since childhood. And I really yeah. do now think that it was a combination of anxiety that could have been helped with medication or therapy. And mm-hmm. then also exacerbated in the religion I was in where there's just this guilt and shame yep. nonstop. I, um, yeah. I had to go to the doctor when I was 16 with an ulcer. Yeah. Yep. You I had know. an ulcer as a child. Yep. yep. Yeah. And yep. Stomach. I've had, I still have stomach issues to this day. Of yeah. Life. You know, but dealing in and also on top of that, I still I still deal with the stupid guilt that makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And like I'm just like, yeah, I haven't I haven't like been in a church in like 20, like why is this bothering me? You Where know? is this and coming like, from? Yeah. It's yeah. so deep. Yeah. So yeah. <sighs> so one one other voice starts coming around and and your husband. Um yeah. <laughs> so what so true love waits, was that the first instance of like quote-unquote purity culture like branded purity culture probably so i'm 37 i was in high school like in 98 99 until like 2002 and i definitely remember true love waits definitely remember i kissed dating goodbye i didn't read any of them because i didn't read i was not a reader (laughs) until i until i got married and yeah my husband was like, reading is awesome. And here's Frank Peretti and you'll really like it. And I <laughs> loved it. And I've been reading voraciously ever since. <laughs> Frank Peretti. Oh my God. I haven't heard he that long. Me. My yes. mom used to read Frank Peretti. Like, yes. oh my God. 
Okay. I was Ooh. like, okay, reading is fun. Yeah. And then, yeah. well, then I started deconstructing my faith because, you know, there's a lot of books out there about great, great topics that don't, don't quite, yeah. you know, jive with the faith. So we, we yeah, started with Frank Petty. Yeah. Therapy. I've been talking a lot about uh, critical thinking and how yes. it can alt completely alter your, your view on, on religion and, oh, and faith and like, absolutely you're you're kept in this this box as a kid and growing up into an adult where there's no room for critical thinking none because uh, you're told because what no to need believe. for it yeah, yeah. you're yeah. told exactly what i was told what to believe not how yeah. to think yeah um but but what to think what to believe what to do in, in any situation you know that would arise like there was no room for problem solving there was no critical thinking. Yeah. There was no room for doubt until yeah. I, you know, moved out of my parents' house, got married. And then, you know, you're in that natural state of like college and your brain starts really turning things over. And then it was like a slow domino. <laughs> now, what did you see from your friends and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all around you? I know you lived in like a small community. So yeah, uh, I assume everybody went to the relative the same church if not the same group yeah of churches so my so. friend group was all from church i didn't yeah. really have any friends at school because school kids were bad uh yeah <laughs> they only, were yeah. <laughs> yeah only the good kids went to church so my friend mm -hmm. my friend was my friend group was at church on sundays and wednesdays um a couple of them were like me they liked kissing and <laughs> pushing the limits a few didn't really get into that till a little bit closer um to like college but we all got married young we all yeah. started having babies young it was just the culture we were in and I, I know I wrote a little bit about that yeah. in my, yeah. my story but yeah so my husband and I got married at 19 and 21 because we wanted to have sex so we hadn't actually fully had like penis and vagina sex right yeah. and that was like that was the line that we were not willing to cross mm -hmm. and I wore white and I felt very <laughs> valid in my white gown <laughs> looking back like that's so ridiculous yeah yeah like yeah, that would yeah, mean yeah. that like lesbians are virgins forever right like but that's not in the calculus at all yeah yeah as a teenager yeah. in the assembly of god but so got married super young so we could start having sex um yeah and just from there it's there's a whole host of problems that come with getting married at 19 and 21 <laughs> yeah yeah um I don't know very many people that did that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think even from the church, church people that I grew up with. Really? Like oh, lot, yeah, that yeah, was I normal. I don't think I mean, probably because I like we weren't I didn't live in like a small insulated town. So like, I live like an hour from New York City and like an hour from Philadelphia. So it was like, uh -huh. when as soon as school's done, you need to go somewhere like and like you just kind of leave so okay uh yeah i didn't really run into that too often but oh my i know, gosh, it, it, I know it's a thing yeah yeah we yeah. don't leave our area they just yeah. stay <laughs> everybody yeah. stays here <laughs> i know it's a thing it just it just kind of like it just really like i don't know and that's also my type of mindset of like i just wanted to go and like get out of where i was and and try mm -hmm. to experience something else so uh yeah, but like I remember having a girlfriend in the church at 
16 and like talking really heavily about stuff that was like mm. 16 year olds like i don't know if they normally talk about it like no. you know, being together forever and oh my god you know, god right. this is god's plan for us and the reason you know look at all these dominoes that put god god put yes. in the way for us to get it be together <sighs> and and you know it's so heavy for really 16. heavy shit on on mm-hmm. top of 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 a teenager relationship that really shouldn't be there. No, and absolutely. I not. didn't think about it until we're sitting there talking about it right now, but I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think that normal teenagers talk like, talk about stuff no. like that. I'm sure there's some here and there, but like, I don't like, as far as like being together forever, but like, mm-hmm. there's not this pressure of like, God, God wants us together. Right. You know? Like this is the master plan yeah. and this is what God wants. And our rest of our future now is going to be, super blessed because Mm -hmm. we have followed all the rules basically (laughs) followed all the rules and kept ourselves pure and found the one and and now we have this promise of like a happy marriage and all the babies well guess what my marriage has been extremely difficult since day one and then guess what babies didn't come easily like we Mm -hmm. experienced infertility so then you're looking at god like what the fuck you yeah, know, I, I thought this where's was, this, where's my payment for what I did? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. I, yeah. Like I was told that I was going to have this and this and this yep. and this, and I got none of it. And like, oh. and what did I, yeah, I, all right, we're going to get to that. Okay. So you get married right, right out of school. Uh, we're right out of, uh, high, did you go to college? I started, um, nursing. So I got married okay. my sophomore year of nursing and then I okay. quit like a year. I, quit my third year of nursing because I honestly just wanted to have babies, start having babies. Okay. Didn't have a career drive, really just wanted to be a stay at home mom and have all the kids. And so when nursing school got really hard as it does, I quit. And then I went to hair school. My mom's a hairstylist. She was always home with us. She had a flexible schedule. I thought I like doing hair made sense. Mm -hmm. It was a quick schooling. I could get, get it done and over with in like a year and a half and then start having babies. And so that plan all worked out. Yeah. Now, this is something I've been coming into with with talking to people. You said that you didn't have a career drive. Yeah, none. I didn't have one either because I was always taught that the only important thing in life in this world is to be a be the best Christian you can be, and there's no other point to anything else like he's like hey i'm really into science like i i have a drive for, well well let's read the bible and see what that's not you know and like mm-hmm. so now you're taking off of that and i just i i saw so many times of like little like as you're going back and looking at it of like hey i had a question here about this and it was completely mm-hmm. shut down mm-hmm. and the only career to to direct to whatever that word is uh that we, yeah that we were put on was just to keep this cycle up of yeah. get married, have kids, bring them to church. Yep. Procreate Jesus yeah, warriors. Yeah. Go mm-hmm. work whatever job that you can find because mm-hmm. you're 18, 20 now and you we've just filled you with religion this whole time. So you have no passion for anything else. Right. And, There's no passion it, left. Yeah. And yes. everything everything else has been discredited. Yeah. Based on your faith. And you're just like, I yep. don't know what to do, you yeah. know, let's go and, join YWAM somewhere and yeah. try to make a living maybe. <laughs> so begging people for money. 
Yeah. Oh. Um, is, is your husband the same age as you? Did you guys graduate the same year? No, he's two and a half years older. So he was okay. like 21 and I was 19, I think, when we got Okay. Married. Okay. Um, and he went to school. He went to college because like, you know, he has to be the breadwinner so I can stay yeah. home. Yeah. So he did that. Um, How is he? Well, this is before we get ahead because okay. this is about you <laughs> for the most part. Um, I wouldn't mind talking to your husband if you'd ever want yeah, to. Yeah, uh, he'd love um, to, I'm sure. He's got a good so, story. Yeah, yeah. So when when did you have your first kid um, after I you was, got married? Yeah, I was 23, I think, when my oldest okay. was born, right? I'm, he's 14, I'm 37. Yeah, 23. Okay. So uh, how were you, you? You said that you were still in the church. Mm-hmm. and you were still involved in everything uh so you have your first kid mm-hmm. what is what is that like looking on it from still being in the church just because I never I didn't have that experience um compared to the other two which are you said aren't weren't mm-hmm. yeah born so, in the structure of the church yeah so Jackson like was baptized you know yeah. when he was little he was in JBQ junior bible quiz where he memorizes all these bible verses yeah. and why we believe all the things in the AG um he did all the Sunday schools like he has a lot of memory mm-hmm. of being in the church so he was we've been out for maybe five years six years so he was still pretty young when we left doesn't yeah. have a whole lot of memory um, but like we spanked him, we, it was a harsh discipline. It was the parenting was out of fear. Like we have mm-hmm. to, we have to make our son be perfect for fear of him going to hell. Mm-hmm. You know, every, when you have hell as the potential end of life, everything is built yeah. around fear and trying to avoid hellfire. So you have to be perfect. You have to, so you yep. spank them to get them to obey. I had no other way of parenting. I knew Mm -hmm. nothing outside of spanking because that's how I was raised. That's how my husband was raised. Yeah. And it's such lazy parenting now (laughs) where I have to actually like engage my children and talk to them and be there for them and have more than just don't do that because I said, so I actually have to like help them process it and understand Mm -hmm. the why and think critically yeah it's, it's much harder to parent this way much more rewarding but yeah yeah thinking is, is lazy parenting like uh, there's gr- growing up there was there's i i always there was a difference between spanking and like some people will say it's both abuse but i'm just yeah uh, there's a difference between spanking and outright abuse because i always felt that outright abuse was done out of anger and spanking yeah. was supposed to be done out of discipline. Once it crossed that line, it's you're into abuse territory. Now, yeah. if you look at it more modern day, like, like it's, yeah, it, people, yeah. like there's plenty of studies around it. So, sure. yeah. But like when our old, my oldest kid, like that reaction was instant. Yeah. Of like, you have, I have to get, I have to get you to behave right now. And the only right. way I know how to do that is to hit you. And yeah. like, like I have to stop myself and like it's something through you know changing your mentality and 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 like and going to therapy and talking with my wife on how we want to discipline and how we want to talk to the kids uh that it's just a complete different 
180 from like what I was raised with, uh, you know, and my father was, my stepfather was very abusive. And so like, there's, there's that, but at the same time, you're still, I'm still trying to deal with the anger of growing up in the church and like how I'm supposed to handle my kids based on that. And I'm trying to figure it out on my own at the same time. Yeah. And it's a big mind fuck. Oh man. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm swearing too much. I, I swear. Not at all. So. Let the fuck <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, it's really like, how did that switch happen? Okay. So we, uh, so then my daughter came along three years later and we were still spanking, still, uh-huh. still in it, still deep in it. It wasn't until my baby who's now six came along and that was right at the time where we barely had any faith left. Yeah. Um, we had re-examined our politics. We voted for Hillary in the 2016 election. And so at, by that point, we were ready to re-examine our parenting. Mm-hmm. But it took that entire, like, all of our religion was gone. Our politics had changed. I had joined um, an ex, ex-evangelical yeah. Facebook group that was geared around parenting. And somebody recommended Unconditional Parenting by Elfie Kahn. Cohn. Uh, it's my favorite book ever. Can't recommend okay. it. Okay. I, I will look that up then. Unconditional yeah. Parenting, Elfie Kohn. Um, K-O-H-N. And he never once says spanking is abuse. You shouldn't spank. But that's what the common theme is. Like, this is mm-hmm. how we should parent. This is yeah. how, this is more effective parenting. Um, and it just completely revolutionized when I went to the library to pick that up, there was another book like right next to it. I don't know. It caught my eye somehow. And it was by Dr. Dan Siegel, whole brain child and no drama discipline. And that, I mean, it it just went hand in hand Um, and it, and it started giving us strategies for, well, what do you do if you're not going to spank? How do you get your kids to listen to you? Um, Do they really need to obey the first time you say something, or could we allow them to be children and make mistakes mm-hmm. and be helped along incrementally? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like mind blown. Yeah. So it's then, re- it really is like, wow. Like yeah. it, revolutionary. Yeah. 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 I, I was reading a book on uh, CPTSD and just, just how like the words you use in the language and how you put it towards a child alters everything yes and you know giving their their feelings their fears their everything validity because it's it's this is their world like I tried to explain to my wife when she when our youngest son was bothering us with like Minecraft or Roblox or something and I'm like she's (laughs) like that's all he talks about I was like that's his world like yeah. that's, that's what he loves right now. And I was yep. like, I know to, to me and you, it's really boring and like re- drains our soul when we, he starts talking about it, but like, it's so important. That is all Listen. he knows. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's important to him. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really crazy how things have shifted since I was a kid and yeah. you were a kid and like, yeah, how we have changed parenting. And it's um, hard for the older yeah. generation to hear that because um, I was really hurt a few years back when I was with some extended family, aunts, uncles, or aunts. It was a a girl's weekend getaway. Mm-hmm. So I was with aunts and cousins and sisters and 
my mom and my grandma and I don't know. We, we got, uh, there had been a bunch of recent school shootings and mm-hmm. we got onto the topic of like, um, mass shootings and, and somebody had said something like, well, it's these parents these days raising their kids all wrong. And I'm thinking to myself, first of all, the age of the shooters are like your, your children's age. So yeah. please don't yeah. come at my generation for how we're parenting. And also grandma, <laughs> let me tell you about how I have changed um, our parenting recently. And so I try to kind of say what we had been experiencing and how we were changing. And I was trying to be real gentle and not come against spanking Mm -hmm. in a room full of people who spanked. Right. So I was trying to choose my words very graciously and respectfully and just kind of show it. This is what parents are actually trying to do nowadays. And they turned on me. It was heart wrenching. Yeah. Um, to have my my aunts, my cousins, the people who love me, who have surrounded me my whole life, all over spanking and me trying to show them a better way, like very yeah. respectfully. Yeah. Even if it's not a better way, a different way, a different just way, a, just, just a different way of looking at things, not, yep, not even in, implementing them. Like yeah. you're not going up there saying never spank your kids. You're saying, yeah. Hey, we're, we're looking at it this way. Yep. And like, yep. they could be like, huh, I'm huh. going to look into that. Or, yeah. okay, whatever floats your boat, you know? So, and instead they were just like, rah, 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 rah. no, it's, it's, you are to blame for the mass shootings. It's, it's your bad parenting, you horrible millennials. Like, it, whatever, yeah, it, what the, whatever. <laughs> I'm going to bed. Like it, 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 every time that comes up, it feels like uh, somebody that doesn't want to look in the mirror yes. and examine and, and take ownership of what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, my mother still thinks it's funny that she brought a pin to church with her to to poke me when I wasn't paying attention or, or I was laughing or something. Mm, She thinks it's funny. funny. And I'm like, that's not funny at all. Like, that's like, like, that's really, really not like, there's no humor in that whatsoever. And don't you feel like they don't ever like that generation? Okay. This is going to be a stereotype. No, no, I don't apologize. Stereotype, stereotype away because I, I completely agree. They don't apologize. It's a problem problem with our country right now. We're being very intentional to apologize to our kids. If we mess up, Mm -hmm. which we do all the time, because we're still figuring this out. We apologize. My mom, my dad. Oh my gosh. I, I, I don't know if it's ever happened. I, I, who did I talk to? I talked to somebody about this the other day and I was like, you did. It was on a podcast. Was it? I was like, my mom, I think apologized to me twice in my whole life. And once was because of this, uh, a church thing. And I think another one was because like, I got, I, somebody put a cigarette out of my hand when I was a kid and like, she apologized because it was at her hairdressing shop that okay. she was working at. Yeah. So it was an accident, but like, okay. that's, those yeah. are like the only two times I can remember. Yeah. So yeah. it's, and my father never apologized, even up to the time before he died. And my my stepfather never apologized or if he apologized, it was never anything sincere. So maybe a, I'm sorry I hurt you, but, or I'm sorry you feel this way. Yeah. But. I, I wonder how much of that has to do with being God is the only person that you have to answer to. Mm-hmm. And you don't, mm-hmm. and, and your, I'm sorry is never responded with, I'm still hurt or I'm still upset. Or, 
you need to fix this before I can, we can move on in our relationship. Right. So now it's just a, Hey, I'm sorry. See you later. You know, and there's no sincerity. There doesn't need to be sincerity with it, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And with kids, there's so many like connections that, that kind of makes sense as an adult now with kids that like, you're just like, I just, you know, you wanted to please whatever you're trying to please. And I just wanted somebody to hear me. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool that you're doing this. Well, and keeping that connection with your kids, I think is so important where you say, I'm sorry. And then you can reconnect and you Mm -hmm. can rebuild. And I really think that that hampered my relationship with my parents. So I, I always thought I was really close to my parents yeah. until I left their faith and I left their politics. And I knew that that would make it really hard. I knew that going into it, but I didn't quite realize my therapist said, well, what are, what do you miss from them? And I thought to myself, that's a great question. I don't miss a whole lot because they didn't pour into my life. Mm -hmm. It was all, I don't know. It's hard to explain. And I'm still figuring that out. I'm still kind of through all that, but like, I'm relating to everything you're saying. Like I'm getting what you're saying. There was no real connection. All of my childhood, even though they they took good care of me, I felt very loved. I never felt abused. I thought I was growing up sunshine and roses. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until I left the faith that it all, you know, you start looking back on things and and when the relationship just kind of evaporates. Yeah. And you don't really miss anything. Well, then what? I don't know. Kind of hard like- to explain. It's something that I'm dealing with, with in therapy with, uh, with just how do I handle my relationship with my mom? Because I don't really don't, there's, I don't see a point. Yeah. There's really no... with it right now because yeah. like she's not, she obviously doesn't accept who I am mm-hmm. and how I raise my kids. Right. You don't really want to have a discussion about anything else. And I don't want to talk about what happened in church last week. Nope. So I'm just like, where, where are we in this relationship? Yeah. And, and we can't come to terms with the past because you won't, you, you won't acknowledge my, it's not, it's not so much that you're denying everything. You're not acknowledging that my perspective is valid and like yeah. what, and that, and that what I went through was real. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's our relationship is at a stalemate. Yeah. And it's very frustrating because I feel like there's some sort of societal pull to still do this. Yeah. This relationship. Make it work. Yeah. There's, there's, but there's no rule book on it Mm -mm. other than honor your father and mother, which should work both ways, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, um, I understand what you're saying. And like, I, it's a, it's something that weighs on my mind a lot and, Mm -hmm. uh, I know, and well, I hope, and I know that like my relationship with my kids, when we get older and and I get to the point where my mom is right now, we're going to have, I'm going to have a completely different relationship with my children. Yeah. That's what's motivating me right now is, is I want to have an adult relationship with my adult children. Yeah. It is mutually beneficial. Um, I I don't want my kids still feeling like they're five years old around me when they're, when they're 30. Right. Why? What yes. is what is up with that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> We're diving into a lot of stuff, but like, I, I'm just yeah. like, what the, f- like, why, why? And maybe it's a generational thing, but like, 
I don't understand why you have to make your kids feel like they're they're still children. Yeah, and like incapable not. or making you're bad enabling decisions them up still. to a point. <laughs> yeah, you know. So yeah. Oh, yeah. oh trying oh. to get back on topic. Okay. okay. Well, so, hey, while we get back on topic, can yeah. I take a potty break real quick? Yeah, When does, when does your faith start coming apart? Mm, when do, when, when do the first crack, like, I know it's kind of hard to pinpoint. Oh no, I know exactly where. Okay. All right. Hit me. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah. So I was just married. So maybe Mm -hmm. 20 and I joined a Bible study with friends. uh, And it was not assemblies of God based. It was, I think it's, there's a name for it. International women's Bible study, something like that. And I think it's Baptist based. And so they get to a point in, I used to know these scriptures off the top of my head. I don't (laughs) anymore. Maybe Romans or Ephesians where um, it's like the Calvinist proof text about some vessels being made for destruction. Yeah. And the Bible study leader starts preaching like through the Calvin Calvinist tulip points. And I'm thinking, what is going on? <laughs> right. Yeah. So because the AG is not, we're whatever Arminian we're like, yeah. Calvinism. No bad. Everybody has a chance at salvation. Um, yeah. So I go home and I'm like, Will, did you know about all this? This is crazy. <laughs> He's like, yeah, actually I did, but awesome that you're, you know, learning things. This is fun. Yeah. And I started Googling. And so this would have been back in like 2004, 2005. Um, I hadn't really ever Googled anything that really caught my attention. So I'd used the internet for a few papers in school, but like nothing had ever caused me to really open up the World Wide Web. Mm -hmm. So I start looking into Calvinism and then I realize all these different denominations, which I knew there was different denominations. I didn't realize that there was like tens of thousands of denominations, right? And there's All so many split on little, little, itty little bitty things here and there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And growing up in the AG, it was always like, we are the ones who have it right. And mm-hmm. everyone else is wrong. And I don't know if that was just a flavor of my particular church. No, I think that might be an overarching AG thing. I, I went, I went to three different denominational churches and they all had the same got- type of, okay mindset that like we have it right and everybody else is wrong everybody else is wrong yeah even though we believe the same thing (laughs) right like minuscule differences and so that kind of got my wheels turning um like how how can we really know that like the ag is right at the same time my uncle who um was a tenured chemistry professor left his position at the university and went to become a united methodist minister Mm -hmm. and so he's and he's the most brilliant man i've ever met 
um, taught himself Hebrew and Greek. He grew up atheist. He grew up in a secular household and I don't know, had a come to Jesus moment. Yeah. And so he's brilliant, taught himself all the, all the original texts. And so he was just always really fun to talk to about faith, but I had never really had any questions until yeah. this big, like Calvinism thing. So I wanted to get his take on that. And from then we kept meeting every so often for random chats at Panera, you know, get some coffee, awesome. talk about, yeah. Yeah. And he is brilliant. Um, I, he literally taught my husband and I how to start critically thinking and how to be more critical of our AG upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so even now he's still a minister, um, but very progressive, inclusive, um, yeah. So like my yeah. dad says he's not saved because you know, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> it's yeah. not real. Yeah. But he really did start teaching us how to like critically think about scripture. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Um, little bits at a time. Uh, my dad gave us a book to read around the same time as well. Uh, it was called The Other Side of the River, and it was a critique of hypercharismania. So this is back when like revivals were happening, the Brownsville revival in Pensacola. Yeah. The Toronto outpouring in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you're familiar with that. It sounds like you left the faith quite a while ago. I'm I'm familiar with the Brownsville one. Uh, okay. But yeah, I uh, yeah, I grew up or uh, I went to a very charismatic church okay. uh, for about four years. So uh, it's it's it. There's a lot of trauma around that. <laughs> that like goes beyond like 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 just like whoa like you like just a step below like snake handling kind of thing yeah you know right so which uh-huh. wouldn't surprise me if they would have pulled that out too you know oh so, for yeah. sure yeah, yeah. So, so this book was like a whole critique on that crazy movement that mm-hmm. was that was like gripping the charismatic world and it really gave my husband and i pause um and at that point, the way we were interpreting the weirdness happening was demonic. So we're thinking, okay. okay, so there is a real move of the Holy Spirit. There is a real revival, but a lot of what we're seeing is demonic. So that's kind of how we rationalized it. At that point, we left our church, our AG church, because we got a new pastor in and he was like all about the weird, like, we're going to teach you how to heal. We're going to teach you how to prophesy. You just have to come to class and we'll, we'll teach it to you. Oh, yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. That didn't set well. My parents had just recently With you left. or with your parents? I'm sorry? With, with you? It didn't sit well with you or with your with your parents Both. as well? Both. Both? Okay. My parents okay. had just left to go to another church across town. Okay. They had just left because they kind of saw the same thing happening. Because my dad was the one that gave us this book, this critique on hypercharismania. Okay. And he, so they had left to go to this other church, which was pastored by a man who had his credentials in the AG and then left those credentials to start his own unaffiliated church. Okay. Basically okay. So he could do whatever, I, you yeah. know, like, yeah, I got you. Cause he stopped agreeing with all the AG stuff Yeah. because he thinks he literally is <laughs> the Messiah and only he is correct. Him and He's Jimmy the only right Dagger, one. Yeah. And uh, Dave Wilkerson. Those are the oh. only three people who know what they're talking about. Wow. Jimmy Swagger. Yeah. 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 So we ended up leaving our church, our beloved church, where all of our friends were. It was very, very hard. Mm-hmm. And went to church with mom and dad. Very quickly realized, okay, this is bananas. This guy is nuts. He is constantly putting down every Christian outside of his walls. 
If you're not okay. in his church, you're not a real Christian and you're horrible and you're wrong and you're doing it wrong. So that got really tiring really fast. Along this whole time, my husband and I are really re-examining stuff because we've left our church. We've left our friends. Some of that brainwashing starts to wear off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We're also realizing that not everything we're learning is accurate. A lot of it might be demonic or a lot of it might just be flat out wrong. A lot of it might just be whatever humans acting a fool at the altar. Barking like dogs and clucking like chickens was something that happened. How do those conversations come up? Between my husband and I? Yeah. Like, are they just like, are you pulling out the Bible? Like, look at this bullshit. Like, like, or was it just, did it come up? Like you came up after church and like, they were talking about this. Like you just leave service and you're just drained. Like, ugh, like we don't want to keep going here. This is ridiculous. So it's obviously playing on your, your mind week to week. Yeah. Yeah. And then my husband gets a promotion out of state. So we move, which was a, something I never thought would happen because people don't move. Like we all are here, all our families here, all my aunts and uncles and cousins and friends and best friends in church. We don't move. But I, we had gotten to this point of like detaching. Mm -hmm. We'd left the church. I wasn't seeing my best friends anymore. Every Sunday we're going to this bonker church of my parents now things really aren't setting well. So maybe not everything is right that we've been taught. Let's move. This is a good time yeah. to move. Just yeah. felt right. And then, so we moved uh, out of state and for a couple of years and just kept reading. Like I read a lot of NT Wright during that time. Um, Cause he's definitely not AG, but he's mm-hmm. still very the- theological, um, like still very smart with the Bible. Like he yeah, still holds yeah. the Bible in high esteem, but it's like from this completely different perspective. It's it's interesting reading perspective of non of the Bible from non non overly spiritual people. Yeah. Like more of like a like a um not nuts and bolts because that can be boring, but like like this is really what it was. And like it wasn't yeah. this you know, more of a historical context. Yes. Yeah. 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 Rather than like random verses taken out each week to make a Sunday or to make Uh a sermon, which is literally what the AG does. Yeah. Yeah. They just pluck verses out of wherever. And they like use an anecdote from their kids from the past week. And then ha ha ha, this is so funny. And this is how it applies to your life. Yeah. So you're, yeah. So who, who made the, who made the decision you and your husband to say, we're done, I'm done with this. Like who, who Mm -hmm. cut, who cut it off first or was it together? Yeah. So I kind of started ahead of him deconstructing and then he read that book and then that's kind of when he started. Mm -hmm. So it was maybe like a couple years after I had kind of really started mulling things over and he deconstructed quite a bit sooner than I did. Like went a little bit faster whereas i was really trying to hold on to some sort of faith a few years after him were you trying to hold on to faith or were you trying to hold on to like a community oh man everything all of it everything but yeah all of it so like when we when we moved out of state we stopped believing in hell that's a huge one because like if you don't you don't believe in hell you're gonna go to hell you're the fourth person that i've talked to on this podcast about that being like the first thing that they got rid of so big it's huge. and i that it wasn't was our first that, it was the biggest you know because it's the scariest where did that come from because like my my friend tim who i've had on the show he he told me that it just it 
he read it in a in a book it came from there and that was the first thing that okay. changed started changing everything where he's like yeah yo hell is not a real thing what have i believe been believing in my whole life and what have i been so afraid of mm-hmm. and like just going from there and it's like that's still something that it, it's something that like i never really thought of biblically like outside oh. in like like my world now i'm like that yeah that's a bunch of like bullshit, bullshit but like living Abusive inside the, that that type of mindset i i never had that thought before and like i'm okay. seeing people come up with it and i'm just like i just well, always like, thought it was hypo- hypocritical that we're not feeding the poor yeah, <laughs> yeah. like i didn't understand the, the hell thing did you believe in like eternal conscious torment if you didn't yes. believe the right thing so you believed it and then yeah. somewhere along the way you stopped it just didn't make sense like or you never really i think it started it. It, it started off of like that's really not fair right like like i don't understand how somebody can like be a serial killer the whole life and then or a serial rapist and then a minute before they die they can ask right. for forgiveness and clean slate it's all, good. all is forgiven yeah mm-hmm. uh, that not doesn't fair. seem fair to me when, not at you all know, and you see some of the worst people in the world claiming christianity and like you see some of the best people in the world that you've you know, you've ever met have no yeah. affiliation whatsoever yeah. and you're like this doesn't make sense nope doesn't and make like, sense. That's the only context of hell that I ever really thought of. Like, okay. it started off as that. And it was just like, yeah, I just don't believe it. But it was never like, well, this isn't really what the Bible taught. So, oh, yeah, yeah. for us, it was very intellectual. It was very like, we're going to set out to like, make sure we're right. Because if we're wrong, if we get this wrong, we're going to burn in hell. <laughs> right. We're going to burn in hell. So like, we have to get this right. So it was a deep dive into it's what so the fucking heavy, <laughs> so heavy. It's so heavy. Yeah. 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 So and- we, we did that whole thing, like figuring out what the words in Greek meant and what the Hebrew mm-hmm. and all the context and, and what was Christ really talking about and what does the Bible actually say? And there's so many great resources. Anybody who's listening, who's not quite there yeah. yet, questioning, whatever, like so many fantastic books and writers and yeah. And also yeah. just your moral compass as a human. How can hell be real? How can eternal conscious torment for the majority of humans through all time? How can that be a thing? Like, yeah, I would rather just end up as dirt. Like, okay. I, I mean, yeah, I was like, why? I mean, I don't like between the two. I'd rather absolutely. have there be nothing like. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And like, I wouldn't want to spend time with half of the people that say they're christians up you know for oh god no for eternity you know and oh my gosh no <laughs> you would just have people telling you that spanking is right for you know for <laughs> for eternity so but yeah horrible i find it like it's that's really interesting so your husband comes along mm-hmm. faster than you but you yeah. started ahead of him yeah it all kind of it all kind of fell apart for him pretty qu- in quick order um he really set out to like prove that six day creationism is correct. Okay. And then he was like, Nope, evolution is right. <laughs> Evolution's real. Okay. Um, I lo- okay. Are you frozen? That's... You look frozen. No, am I? Hello. Oh, you're frozen. Can you hear me?
you had mentioned that you had a kind of a turning point moment around 2016. Yeah. Yep. So, so that, yeah. Explain that. <laughs> okay. So yeah, my husband kind of went through his falling away pretty quickly. And then he was like, man, I have no faith left. And there was at one point I said, well, honey, I can't stay married to you. If you don't believe in God, like that was a low moment oh, for him man. and I, it was real hard. Um, oh, you I, were being serious. I was being serious. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I took that yeah. as a joke. Okay. Oh, well, I was being serious. Okay. Yeah. The poor man, I had been on bed rest. We had just moved into our new house that we mm-hmm. built and that was super stressful. I was on bed rest with our son, trying to like not go into preterm labor. He had moved us all in, unpacked the whole house by himself. Cause I'm literally laid up in bed. He's losing his faith. He does, you know, like, and then I say that to him, like an asshole, not my finest moment, but I, I, I felt it like it was real in that yeah. moment, um, but I did come along quickly. Um, and it, and it really was just this culmination of being forced to really scrutinize every last belief, you know, everything from, you know, we lost hell, you lose the rapture, you lose just all of that inerrancy, like the authority inerrancy of scripture. That was really like the final one to where then you're like, well, man, is God even real? Is he more a metaphor? That was like our, our final area of belief. But yeah. yeah so the rise of Trump um, on the political scene really kind of forced us then to look at our politics. And I think we were ready to do that only because we had spent the last decade really scrutinizing our faith and so much had proven wanting, you know, like, holy smokes, we were duped on all of this stuff. All of this is wrong. All of this was framed poorly. All of this was used to control us. Now was politics something that you guys just didn't worry or concern yourself with or was it something that you did but it was like a completely complete switch so we were always politically active to the point where we voted republican in every election because that's what you do yeah um pro-life and anti-lgbtq right like those are the Mm -hmm. two things that you're voting for um now I am actually politically engaged <laughs> like, and actually aware of how government works and yeah. how policy really affects everyone and how everyone is political, whether they think they are or not, yeah. because policy runs our lives and affects every last one of us. So mm-hmm. um, I would say now we are even more, more engaged Good. Than, Good. than before, but yeah, yeah, Trump. Um, so our, the last week, the last sermon that we spent at our AG church, because um, when we moved back from being out of state, we went back to our home church, mm-hmm. which we had left several years before because it was home. That's where our friends were. We barely believed anything we were singing. We barely believed any of the sermons, but like it was home. Yeah, it's a I've, I've it's a social. Yeah, like community. It's, it's community thing. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So the July, it was the July 4th weekend of. 2016 and our pastor was out of town so he we had a guest speaker who happens to be the republican chair of our county's republican party and so his sermon was literally like make america great again and this is who you have to vote for so that you know abortion goes down and lgbtq rights go down and we get the right scotus appointments in um 
And I remember him giving the altar call and it feeling like a Trump rally, like just Mm -hmm. like, um, it was just disgusting. And my husband and I literally, it felt like we were literally running against the crowd out the back, got our kids, got into the car. And as we were pulling out of the parking lot, I looked over to my husband and I said, we are never going back to that church ever again. And he was like, yep. Like we just knew we were done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. So at that time we, we told our family and friends like, okay, we're not really real Christians anymore. We're heretics, right? Like we don't believe in hell. <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't believe in the rapture. We don't believe in speaking tongues. Um, like my husband barely believes in anything. <laughs> so we spent some, the next couple of years at my uncle's United Methodist church. Um, it was great. Um, like his church is amazing. They're engaged in their community. They fundraise, yeah. they are the hands and feet of Christ. Like I've yeah. never seen a church actually do because my church did not do that. Yeah. I got no beef with the Methodists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. We, we, we were there until we decided, yeah, we don't believe in sky God anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. and by that point, uh, it was just kind of easy. We were brave enough to say, we don't believe it anymore. And there's been pushback and, you know, like things are hard with family. Uh, how is, I don't regret it. I don't regret any of it. Yeah. So like the last five and a half, six years or so, mm-hmm. um, ha- yeah, I know you said your relationship with your mom is kind of strained or yeah, not where you want it to be. How has just the last six years just what have you seen in your community? Just because you, you, you've, you've kind of told me a little bit about how your, how your life has been since then, but how has it been in your community, especially with your kids and with church that Mm -hmm. you're involved in now? What is it like now? um, Just over the last couple of years, just because it's been so vital and just crazy. Oh man. Yeah. I know you've been asking your guests like, what has kind of changed in the last few years um as far as like taking a macro view of the church or evangelical christianity in in america i'm just so glad that we got out yeah when we saw trump coming we knew it was wrong and we were far enough on our journey that we were able to get out and i am so thankful for that because what i have seen is disturbing it's Mm -hmm. sad it it's gut-wrenching because you love these people and you grew up with these people and these people told you to take care of the lost and feed the hungry and welcome the foreigner and then yeah the complete opposite motivates them yeah yeah um (laughs) to the point of vitriol and then and then you get into like the nonsense of fake news and and like they're untethered from reality yeah yeah and then it's also not surprising (laughs) because they believe in hell and they believe in a in a sky being that causes hurricanes because you have gay people in your country and like so really the misinformation about everything right now well especially covid and covid mm -hmm. yeah it's it's amazing trump was like the messiah they have they have no grip on reality um yeah and then you realize, well, of course they don't. Their religion is completely untethered from reality. They're not, 
they have no critical thinking. I mean, I literally had to learn critical thinking and there was a poster that talked about logic and like logical fallacies. And yeah. And like, I studied this poster coming out of it because I had none of those skills. Yeah. Um, the, and so I feel bad and it's scary for the, our nation. I, it, yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering, like, there's, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a relationship between Christianity and, and, and believing in a sky, in a sky God and being detached from reality, but there's like the Mormons they voted against Trump. So where's yeah. like, what is the disconnect? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't get where the, where, where that white evangelical disconnect is with just about every other, uh, because you have even the African-American community and their yeah. churches yeah. are, are doing, both, a both lot of them are doing the Lord's work and like yeah, local, for sure. work and your church, you know, what, yeah, what my you're church. doing. Yeah. yeah. And I was, I we uh Chrissy Donovan and I talked about an article or a tweet that came out that said like something about the the false the false message of empathy uh wow. which is From being Piper or put, put yeah being pushed by the left of the church and yeah. I got that bullshit back in the early 2000s and like it's still around today and I'm just like yeah having empathy for someone is really against what Jesus spoke about uh, you know and like sickening yeah. And it's like, I don't understand where that disconnect is of where yeah. reality is just completely off, off the planet. It really is. Um, a lot of it, I think in my experience growing up, like we, we hated Democrats. We oh, yeah. loathed yeah. liberals. And so I think that there's this allowance to righteously have anger yeah. against the left. Yeah. And, and it's, so, easy, it's easy to demonize yeah people like literally now we're demonizing them like to the yeah. point where people of different uh ideological views are demons like from satan or possessed by like yeah. it sounds so crazy saying that but people actually believe that they like, do and it's in and, and what do you do with demons you don't treat them like human beings no no so, you yeah. don't and so when you're allowed to righteously hate others then you you sufficiently dehumanize them and then you mm -hmm. can act however you want especially when you think you're fighting for the lord's will in outlawing abortion and outlawing lgbtq rights yeah and you know what their trump gave them their supreme court that yeah. they wanted yeah. you know like and that's how they can continue to justify it <sighs> yeah yeah but it's it's wild <laughs> You know, so and, and it's going to, it's going to take, it's going to take uh, people like you and your husband that, that come off, you know, being so close to that line of like where, of, of like where 2016 was and backing it up. It's like, you guys made the right decision, of course, but yeah. like, it's, it, it's going to be people like you that were like, like, we saw this in the road and we said no, because it's wrong. And yeah. we went the other way and, you know, uh, yeah, we've talked about it, how it's, we've, I've seen either people like you, and then I've also seen the people that just double down and Ooh, just, right. and have just fully bought in. And, um, Ugh. yeah, I have family members that have done this and I'm like, 
you used to be so cool. (laughs) You know, you used to be somebody I could talk to about real life stuff. And like, anytime we talk about it now, there's some something that has nothing to do with reality in our conversation. And I don't have time for that. You know, my dad, like as a perfect example of what you just said, my dad recently told me, um, about, about vaccines. Cause, cause they think the vaccine is horrible and like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I don't know if my dad actually thinks it's got the mark of the beast in it, but I think he might. Yeah. Um, but he, he looked at me and he said, you know, you were right to question vaccines back with Jackson. Okay. So back up to when my 14 year old, when our firstborn was, was born, we did fall into the whole vaccines cause autism conspiracy mm-hmm. theory. We, we fell into yeah. it briefly. Um, we spaced out his vaccines. Um, my children are all fully vaccinated, but we did. <laughs> a little bit of yeah. So my dad recently says, I thought you were crazy back when you didn't want to vaccinate Jackson, but now I know you were right. You were right. Bill Gates is trying to depopulate okay. Earth <laughs> to 500,000 people with vaccines. 500,000 people, Chaz. That's yeah. not even like he has no, he, it's so crazy. Like my father who fully vaccinated me (laughs) is refusing. Like I just. I I have a funny story. I was sitting with my mom. This was probably six or seven years ago. And I was visiting my mom and I was sitting with her eating dinner and she just looked out the window and she's like, I don't know if you were ever vaccinated for anything. And I looked at her and I was like, (laughs) what and she's like i don't remember if you ever got vaccinated for anything i'm like i'm 35 and you're telling me this now like i'm i'm just like oh my god so Thank like god for herd immunity. Yeah. but like that mindset has has like i had to basically twist my mom's arm to get vaccinated mm-hmm. and um of course she's laying the guilt trip on now that i haven't gone up and seen her because the kid she's vaccinated i'm like well my youngest isn't and there's this little Delta variant going around, you know, and like, so she's mad at me about that. And I'm like, well, I'm living in reality. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry my, about y'all. My kids go to school. My wife and I both work at Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. We're around people nonstop. My kids are around people nonstop. I'm not going to have on my conscience that I killed you or anybody in your senior living complex yeah. or whatever it is. Yep. You not know, and like. It's in my sister who was once very cool after my father died, she hopped on religion and kind of went mm-hmm. like, she's gone balls to the wall with it now. And mm-hmm. it's just like, mm. I don't know. I don't understand like why. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it sucks. Yeah. It's, don't you it's, think it's almost spreading with the nationalism and the, the um, almost like people, like people who I went to high school with who would have never talked about Jesus. They would have never come to prayer group Mm -hmm. that I led. They would have never come to youth group. They would have never spoken about loving God. And now like you go on their Facebook and it's all about like, God bless America. And and we love God and God save the babies. And, and I'm, and I'm, and so I wonder how much of what we're seeing is a weird mixture, a weird, like toxic stew of cultural Christians. Yeah, that that's, they're yeah. not really Christians, but they're they're able to like latch on to the power grab that's happening. That, that it's easy all, to jump on that boat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I think part of it has to do with 
the world at large and and how crazy everything is and mm-hmm. the instability that is happening that in that you see coming and you have to a, a lot of people that are buying the conspiracy theories are don't want to accept the reality they're living in so they're just going to make up whatever is sounds best to them or or fits their worldview or narrative so um it's yep. it's gotten worse and worse and it gets deeper and deeper because it you know it mm-hmm. starts off with like one thing and then it goes well and the same thing with critical critical thinking mm-hmm. where it starts off with one thing and then it kind of changes everything it's like the exact opposite with this where it's like yeah well, if Bill Gates put a microchip in my arm, then he can control children with, you know, yada, yada. And then like, then he collects the children and murders them and drinks their blood. And like, drinks their blood. You, you're just like, it goes in, in, it's the exact opposite of like the critical re- thinking. I almost say critical race theory. Um, <laughs> and just, it, it's, it's on our hand, it was a, it was a, for good. And mm-hmm. on this hand, it's just, it's sucking these people into a hole where they're killing themselves, literally. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah. And it's so sad to see, but at the same time, what can you do? Right. Yeah. There's Could nothing be. you can do. There's no, nothing I can say to my sister that's going to make her go get vaccinated and no. not go to Florida on vacation, no. <laughs> you know, right. and, and it's so, it's so frustrating. And I, in, and I was talking about this in therapy today where I feel like I'm almost back at church as a kid where I'm like asking people questions and people are telling me I'm wrong because it yeah. doesn't fit their yep. worldview. And I'm just like, yep. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get through trying this and help you. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to, yeah. And it feels very Oh man, that's triggering impotent. as fuck. Gee yeah. whiz. Yeah. yeah. Horrible. So. Mm. yeah so where before we close mm-hmm. where do you want to go from here you personally hmm. in life in life yeah <laughs> like with really your good... with your with your faith and where you've come with it and with your kids where yeah. i know it's a big question and 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 encompasses a lot but uh, yeah you've been through a lot yeah so i want mentally my, I, like yeah. just just mentally you've yeah. been through a lot, you know? Um, well, since my baby just started kindergarten and I haven't worked, you know, I now feel the need to like go out and be productive and, uh, not be a stay at home mom anymore. So I'm trying to like work through that in therapy. <laughs> I've been a stay at home dad for quite a while. Uh-huh. So yeah, so, I, like trying yeah. to figure that, that whole thing out. Um, but like on a more meta level, I want to raise my children to, mm-hmm feel unconditionally loved, unconditionally supported, um, connected so that when we get through raising them, we still have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what I don't have with my parents. And it's like, you know, I can't imagine not having that with my own children. So that's like the prevailing thought right now. Um, faith. I have, I have zero faith. I have zero belief in God. Um, mm-hmm. returning to dust sounds glorious. Like I don't remember before I was born and I won't remember after I die. It'll be the same as. Have like you come I, up with any born. type of belief structure in your own mind of what happens after you die? 
nope. I know that's a, I, I know that's another deep question. Yeah, no, I really honestly think that it's going to be like when we before you're born, you have no idea you're not you're not alive. You have no idea you're not living. Yeah, I I I told my wife that it, I I think that we go to a different parallel universe uh-huh. and uh-huh. we start at some different timeline and we just jump okay. in and yeah. jump out and hey, that works for me, you know, yeah. and like if Absolutely. it doesn't happen I'm not going to know about it. So whatever, you know, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. my husband definitely has more, like he's more open to there being something that caused everything and maybe some prevailing unifying something. Um, And for me, it's like not even an interesting question anymore. I got to the point where it's like, who the fuck knows what happens when we die? I'm going to make now count as much as I can. And the thing with, with your husband's belief and my belief and your belief is that it's not hurting anyone. Yeah. Right. You're not, you're not telling your kids that like, you have to believe that you just turn into dirt when you die, you know? And yeah. So (laughs) yeah, it, yeah. That's the one thing I've constantly told my kids. Like I, I, when you get older in this, you, I want you to make a choice Mm -hmm. or not choose. I don't care. Yeah. Just as long as you're happy and comfortable and you're not hurting anyone. Yeah. That's all I really, I just, this, that's all yep. I want. And yeah, I've you, told my kids the same, like you can believe whatever you want, but here's my caveat. I always say hell is not real. Don't let <laughs> tell you that hell that you're going to burn alive forever. Yeah. It's bullshit. It's not real outside of that. You can have whatever type of faith you want to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Don't be a racist or a bigot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand putting, putting like salvation anxiety and rapture anxiety Mm. Mm. and all, and all this, the fear of your friends and your loved ones, not Mm. like not being Mm -hmm. saved. Like, why are you doing this to children? Right. Like why? Yeah. Like I like why? Like it doesn't make it like, like that. Those are heavy fucking things. And yes. I, and I'm sure you did it too. And everybody that listens to this podcast is like sitting up late at night, you know, oh yeah, crying. lights off. And you're just like, and like, and like in my head, I'm like, my father is my father saved. He's yeah. not saved. He's going to hell. Oh my God. How do I prevent him from going to hell? I haven't talked to him. And like, so I now I'm up till midnight wondering, you know, and then you add in this rapture thing that we've talked about yeah. on the podcast of like, you walk into an empty room now and nobody's there. Like I missed it, you know? And you're just like, wait, no, this isn't reality. But like having those feelings as a kid, when you walk in somewhere and like nobody's there, your heart does not like, you do not feel good. And like, it's, it's horrible. It's traumatizing. It's traumatizing. Yeah. And I think we're one of the first generations to come to grips with that grips with it. But I also don't know if it was that, prevalent in society before oh you know, right the 60s and 70s like when right. the cultural shifts started happening and then the yeah. church became more of a mainstream in your life rather than what you do on Sundays you're right so we're you actually know. the first ones to like suffer the the religious trauma too because yeah because that cultural shift that then affected us as children's from infancy yeah because like my mom she grew up in the church and she went to church on Sundays but like 
and maybe like one other day during the week, but it didn't encompass the music she listened to and the movies she mm-hmm. watched mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the friends she couldn't couldn't have mm-hmm. and and what you couldn't watch on TV and mm-hmm. if you couldn't dance or socialize and like a yep. long list of rules keep going of like yeah. Yeah. that control your life outside of the church. So 100%. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, our, my entire life was controlled around that exactly what you just listed off all of that, yeah. and it's like, well, no wonder my stomach was always upset. Like, yeah. no wonder. Yeah. I had I'm a still taking stomach. Zantac at 40 years old, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like our yeah. bodies aren't made to handle that kind of repeated stress week in yeah. and week out. Especially as children. Yeah. 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 So. Fucked us up. Yes, now it did. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, you said you're in therapy. Yep. It, how is, and we'll finish up in a second, but how has that been beneficial towards, because I'm pro therapy and I want mm-hmm. everybody to go because yeah. I think it's beneficial to everybody. Everyone. How is, how has that been? And it gets you to critically think. Um, yeah. So how has that been going or how has that changed your life outside of faith? Uh-huh. So I just started recently. Okay. Um, I haven't. I haven't seen a, <laughs> I haven't seen a whole lot of movement yet happening. Honestly, I get a lot more therapy from being online and online groups and like, yeah. you know, Sometimes, yeah. since 2016, like just typing it out with people who have the same experiences and like just talk therapy processing. Um, we're not talking, we're typing, but yeah, um, same thing. I've just learned so, so, so much through those groups. So, um, that's to be determined with my actual, <laughs> um, but I did learn to like put up boundaries with my parents. Um, because when I started going, it was after my grandma passed and mm-hmm. my, the way my mother was grieving was hurtful to me. And, um, so that precipitated, okay, I think it's time to start therapy now. <laughs> it was how great how boundaries. We, weren't, we weren't taught boundaries at all no. as growing up in the church. So they weren't allowed. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but my husband, he's been in therapy for a a number of years and working through lots of the things that he went through. And I I won't spoil Mm -hmm. anything in case you ever have him on. He does have a very, (laughs) I I, want to talk to him. Yeah. (laughs) But he's very fascinated with, um, psychology and, and how therapy works in general. So he almost like is my therapist a lot of times, especially with my relationships with parents and certain people, like, cause he has this ability to step back and see it. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a more detached way than I can. And, and his mind just works that way. So he's really able yeah. to point things out. So honestly, I've, I feel like I've had a lot of therapeutic conversations with him <laughs> as well. Yeah. That's helped me um, learn that I dissociate a lot and I shut down a lot. And so I really have to be intentional to connect with my kids. It's, you know, and the teenager, my oldest is detaching naturally. That's the mm-hmm. progress of a teenager. And so I have to be more intentional to make those connections matter. And uh, yeah, just just try to be a good mom that supports her kids so that we can stop this like unending generational cycle of traumatizing kids. And then they traumatize yeah. their kids and then they traumatize their kids. Like yep. I want to bring an yep. end to it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I love hearing that. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. And online groups have been very helpful especially over oh, the man. past year and a half and yes. and just seeing people you know even doing this podcast you know you you came yeah. 
on it. Um, uh, but like just hearing from people of like have gone through the same things or are going through the same things and have the same fears and questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been very therapeutic and, and, mm-hmm. uh, um, I, how did you stumble across the podcast really quick? Yeah. So you posted one of the speaking in tongues episodes. Okay. In, yeah, I'm not sure what group, but okay. one of the ex-evangelical groups. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And it caught my attention because, like, I did a lot of that research. Yeah, just the skimming, you know. So I, I was familiar with like Charles Parham and all the, yeah. all the main players and kind of how it all happened at the turn yeah. of the century. And I was like, oh, I have to listen. <laughs> so then I just listened to the whole, like, all your episodes, and then oh, okay. I, I contacted you about one story in particular that was, you know, relatable and yeah. <laughs> yeah it's been fun and, and, and yeah I love hearing know. the stories and and just hearing how everybody can how we can relate like we're not the only ones this was yeah. real this happened to us like religious abuse religious trauma is real mm-hmm. um, yeah coming out of it is hard but worth it um purity culture can really fuck you up for a long time yep it still has its it yeah. still has issues with me today like honestly like there's still guilt here and there like and i'm just like why like i'm 40 years old why am i feeling like like this is like i don't want this anymore and like i think that's what kind of motivated me to do the podcast like i don't yeah like i'm just sick of like i i tell my therapist every week i'm like i don't want this anymore and she's just like okay well how are you gonna get rid of it and it's like okay well we'll go talk about it yeah yeah well that's one thing and you know so yeah and i just started talking to her about uh disassociating and like how good I'm at it yeah like, it's like it's like my super weapon right and, you know it gets me out of everything <laughs> yeah apparently like, I'm really good at that too yeah and like <laughs> and we talk about it and just like being come more aware of it of like when I do it and yeah. when it's happening and like how to get myself sucked out of it so yeah. I can come back to earth because I do this when my kids are around and something happens that like triggers or it could be a noise it could be too much too many people near me it's something where I just need to get out of the situation Mm -hmm. and I'm just like I'm gone Mm -hmm. and I'm just like okay I need to stop doing that (laughs) so I need or at least come back sooner yes so and like but becoming aware of it is the first step with me so um yeah it's it's been a struggle but yeah I'm proud of you although we just first met I'm <laughs> proud you. of your husband, even though I haven't met him. Yeah. Um, You've done a lot anytime, of work. Yeah. Anytime anybody can come out of this for the better, um, which it obviously seems that you have, um, yeah. um, or just come out of it, period, and then we can work on it after that. I'm, yeah. I have, it's such a big step and a complete change of your thinking and your mindset that a lot of people don't recognize. or want to admit to, um, Mm -hmm. that, uh, I give you all the credit in the world, you and your husband, Mm -hmm. and especially having kids, Mm -hmm. you're putting three kids into the world that don't have to deal with the shit that we did. So I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot because, you know, one of the hard parts about leaving is like knowing that you're not going to hear that from your parents anymore. You're not going to hear, I'm proud of you. Like I, I will never hear that from my mom and dad. Or my, oh, my you're gonna make friend. me cry. I know, I know it's hard. So I, I really appreciate Ooh. when I hear it. So thank you for that. It's very heartfelt. I, I know because I feel that I know the same thing. And like my mom has told me that she, I'm a good father and stuff. But like, 
I know you don't approve of me mm-hmm. and like the way I've lived my life. And I know that I'm never going to hear. I'm proud of you for how you've turned out. Yeah. And yeah, yeah that. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm writing that down for therapy on next Tuesday. So, and we'll, we'll dive into that. So I really appreciate you coming on and, um, I can't wait to hear from you in the future. Uh, right. And I'm absolutely going to love to have your husband on. Please have him reach out to me. Um, I would love to set something up with him. But yeah, I really appreciate it. Go Thanks. spend time with your family okay. or whatever you got to do. Have yep. a good night. All right. Thanks. Hey everyone, thanks for sticking around. I know it was a longer talk today, but I think it was important and we went through everything that I think we needed to. I appreciate Annie for coming on the show. I can't wait to talk to her husband and uh, get his point of view on all this and that should be interesting. And uh, yeah, so if you uh, want to follow me on Instagram, uh, you can look up at ChazXCure or at 17 underscore seconds you can follow the podcast at xcom pod uh, we also have a facebook group which annie found us on uh, that's the uh excommunication station podcast facebook group i'm not good at this the other guys are better at this than i am but uh, anyway, uh, you can listen to Donovan's other podcast called Laughing With You, Not At You, where him and his wife talk about their mental health struggles and also parenting. You can listen to my other podcast, The Holy Hour, where Donald, Gavin, and I talk all things cure. And uh, if you like the song that was playing during this episode, uh, the band is called Camp Cope. Uh, that song is called UFO Lighter. I really like that band. They're from Australia. Um, uh, Yeah, I love their two albums that I have. They might have more. But anyway, uh, check them out if you like them. And I keep forgetting to do it, but thank you to Iron Cheek for letting us use our song. Those heads are our heads for our intro and outro music. Um, You can find them on uh, Instagram, Facebook, all the socials at Iron Cheek. That's C-H-I-C. Chrissy's not here, so we don't have a book for the week, but hey, why don't you take it on yourself, find a short story, read it, tell Chrissy about it on our social medias if you want to, Uh, but I think she would appreciate that. I'm also going to be working on putting a Spotify list up for all the music that I use on the show, that way if you guys are interested or hear something that you like, you can go check it out. And uh, I guess I'll finish this as saying, peace be with you and with your spirit. I have a really bad memory when it's with this. 
Um, and everybody say, I like my looks. I like my personality. But maybe the reason.